leaders here in King's Church. Well, I'd like to take this short time with you today to address the situation in Ukraine. We have all, of course, been shocked and appalled by the terrible scenes of devastation and suffering, and rightly so. We condemn this imperialistic and expansionist invasion led by Vladimir Putin. We mourn the loss of human life. And we feel terribly for those who are currently living under such fear and brutal oppression. This is not the kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy that we as Christians dream of. This is not the way of love that Jesus taught us. And of course, as shocking and, and distressing as this invasion is, it's not the first of its kind. There have been underreported wars going on in other parts of the world for years. There are a number of conflicts in Asia and Africa that are going on right now, such as in Myanmar, Afghanistan, the Arabian Peninsula, and in Ethiopia, Eritrea, and Sudan. And many European nations, not least this one, have sought to establish their own empires throughout history, somehow thinking that their nation was superior, somehow believing that they were better than others and had a right to dominate and exploit others. Because this tendency to put ourselves at the centre and pursue our own gain, be that individually or corporately as any one nation, tribe or people group, is the terrible reality of fallen humanity. Being Russian or Ukrainian or American or British or French or German or Zambian or Ghanaian or Nigerian or Indian or Arabic or Chinese, well, it doesn't make you any better than anyone else. It doesn't make your life any more or less valuable before God. Whilst we may love to cheer on our athletes and our sports teams, we do need to beware the dangers of patriotism, for we are all equally God's creation. The Bible is clear that even his calling of the Jewish people to himself was part of God's plan to redeem and restore all people, to draw all people to himself from every nation, from every tribe and every tongue, to tear down any dividing walls of hostility that we might live at peace with him and with one another, that we might enjoy life forever with him in his kingdom, a world filled with love, justice, righteousness and peace. So this war reminds us again of just how far we are from God's intention. It reminds us again of just how broken our world is. And that can feel overwhelming. We try to comfort ourselves by saying that God is in control. But if we're honest, it doesn't always feel like that. When we see people fleeing for their lives, when we see people suffering, when we see people dying, be that in Ukraine or in any other war-torn corner of our world, it can feel like things are very much out of control. So what is happening? What is God doing? What should we be doing? And how should we be praying? Well, let's work through each of those questions in order. Firstly, what is happening? Well, the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, tells us that God created a perfect world and that he created us as human beings to take care of it. He asks us to rule over his creation on his behalf. His intention was that, that as his children, we would fill the world with him and his ways, 
that by living in close relationship with him, we would fill the world with his love and justice, his righteousness, peace and joy. But from the beginning, we have rejected that close relationship with God. We've refused to live his way and we've been determined to live our own way. By rejecting that relationship with God himself, we have fallen into sin, becoming greedy and self-centered. Now, God didn't abandon his plan for our world, but neither did he impose his desire for relationship upon us. Having entrusted his creation to us, he now allows it to suffer the consequences of our choices, the consequences of our sinfulness and brokenness. And this means that all of creation, humans, animals, and the rest of the environment, all experience a world that is far less than God's intention. Whatever we might mean when we say that God is in control, let's not imagine for a moment that this is how God intended things to be. What is happening in Ukraine is that the wickedness and sinfulness of fallen humanity is having its effects in our world, just like when we experience racism or social inequality or corruption or oppression or climate change or even natural disasters. Our world is broken because our relationship with God is broken. And instead of experiencing the loving rule of God through human beings as his children, our world is currently under the dominion of darkness. Let's read from the Bible together. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 to 30 and I'm reading from the NIV translation. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Who hopes for what they already have? What we see today is not what we are hoping for. What we see today is not what we are waiting for. It is not what God intended. Having entrusted this world to us, he allows it and he allows us to experience the pain and suffering, the brokenness and the evil that is in our world as a result of our sinfulness. Now, Jesus made it very clear that this is not to say that whenever a person suffers, it's a punishment for their own sin, as if they were more sinful or deserving of judgment than anyone else. But we suffer because our world is broken and our world is broken because of sin. So what is God doing? Well, God is offering us the chance to be a part of a better future. God has sent Jesus to make that future possible to offer us the chance to turn away from our sin and to be brought back into right relationship with himself. Jesus offers us the chance to be forgiven and made right with God, to be adopted back into his family as his children, to become the heirs of his kingdom that he always intended us to be. When we put our hope and trust in Jesus and we commit our lives to following him and his ways, when we allow Jesus to become the king of our lives, he promises to fill us with his spirit, beginning a work of transformation from the inside out and clothing us with power and his loving authority. And instead of living as enemies of God, we are once more able to represent him, to fill the world with all that is good about him, his love and his justice, his righteousness, peace and joy, and to share that good news with others. You see, when Jesus came, he didn't change everything everywhere all at once. There was still sickness and disease in our world after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven. There was still injustice. There were still wars and famines and all kinds of suffering. And Jesus warned that these things would continue right up until the time when he comes again to finally establish his kingdom in all of its fullness. But what Jesus did while he was on the earth, was to show us the way to that better future. He performed miracles of healing and deliverance as signs of God's love and power to point people towards the truth of this coming kingdom, to show people that they could even receive and enter into that kingdom now through a relationship with him. But he didn't change everything everywhere because God was still waiting for people to turn to him. God was still waiting for people like you and me to choose to be part of his glorious future for our world. God was still determined that it would be through us as his children that the earth should be filled with his glory. And so, even now, we hear testimonies of God's goodness and grace in Ukraine, even amidst the suffering. We've heard reports of God's miraculous protection of people. Testimonies of answered prayers and signs that point us towards him and the gospel of his kingdom. Because it is still only the gospel of his kingdom that offers any hope for our world. We live in a world filled with brokenness and suffering, but God is still working, calling us to a better future, calling us to be part of his kingdom. He's working by his spirit, primarily through us as his children. So what should we be doing? 
Well, for one thing, we should speak out in whatever way we can. We should speak out against the violence and oppression and the disregard for human life. We should urge our government to be generous to those fleeing from Ukraine, be they Ukrainians or ethnic minorities who have been living there. Our government's desire to appear tough on immigration should not be allowed to undermine the equality of all people. Through our conversations with friends, neighbours and colleagues, we should urge compassion and generosity and love towards all those fleeing from war and oppression. We should also refuse to demonise the Russian people and recognise that many ordinary Russians will suffer the consequences of decisions in which they've had no say. And remember that we have Christian brothers and sisters who are Russian as well as Ukrainian. And that we should be praying for God to work by his spirit through his church in Russia as well as in Ukraine. The Russian Evangelical Alliance have publicly called for Putin to pursue peace rather than war. We might also consider whether we're in a position to give financially to those in need. We'll be making a donation from our offerings here in King's Church towards Christian agencies that are working to bring relief to those caught up in this conflict. You might choose to give something individually to an organisation like World Vision or Operation Mobilisation. But most of all, I want to encourage us all to keep praying. Pray for Christians in Ukraine and in Russia that they would be strengthened by God's spirit. Pray that God would shine brightly through their lives and that they would have the courage to be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his gospel. Pray that they would offer hope to people around them and that even in the midst of such suffering and evil, many would find true life and freedom in Christ. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Pray for God's will to be done on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. Pray for peace where there is war. Pray for love where there is hatred. Pray for justice and equality where there is injustice and inequality. And sometimes, just as we read in our passage of scripture, we might not know exactly what we should pray for, but we can allow the spirit to pray and intercede through us. As we long for that future kingdom that God has promised, where the old order of things has finally passed away, and, and when God has made everything new, where there's no more crying or mourning or pain. Well, as we long for that, we may find ourselves praying in tongues or simply groaning as the Spirit moves us. Allow yourself, moved by God's Spirit in you, to feel his heart for this world. Let him move your heart with compassion and longing as you pray his will back to him. For prayer is our opportunity to agree with God in a way that actually makes a difference in our world. And as you pray God's heart for his world, as you pray for it to be filled with the glory of God and for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdom of our God, let your heart be stirred again for the gospel. For it is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. It is ultimately only the truth about Jesus and his kingdom that offers any hope for our world. Let's dedicate our lives afresh to living as children of God. To living and proclaiming his kingdom. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. A crisis like this brings perspective and a sense of urgency. 
So let's give ourselves again to the gospel. God bless you.